Will the economic impact of COVID-19 be even worse than we thought? I'm Jarrett Murphy from CityLimits.org. And this is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. Jarrett, how are you doing? I'm doing right, Ben. I miss you. You know, it's been a while since since we've seen each other. Yeah. I stare longingly at your um, <laughs> social media social media profiles and, uh, you know, Keep, try to keep tabs on you without uh, without too much intrusion. So uh, just <laughs> just know, just know I'm watching. Um, <laughs> I, I have that feeling very much. Thank yeah. you. So as you as you indicated there, um, we are going to look today at uh, some of the immense economic implications of the crisis that's unfolded. Um, we obviously first and foremost have had a public health crisis. We've discussed that quite a bit on recent shows. Um, the public health crisis is ongoing, and I, you know, I even as we discuss the the economic impacts, of course, those are, are people's everyday lives, and and people's economic realities often impact their their physical and mental well being, and um, you know, it's all interconnected. Uh, but you know, it's important to note that the public health crisis is very much ongoing. Uh, hundreds of people are still dying uh, after contracting uh, COVID nineteen every day. Um, and there are thousands of people in the hospital in New York City with uh, COVID-19. So that's very much ongoing. And I think it's important to always uh, remind folks of that because in, in some ways the conversation has moved on a little bit too much. Um, but we're, we're taking a close look today at the economic and budgetary impacts of this crisis. And they're so tightly connected, Ben, obviously, as, as you noted, that public health impact continues um, death toll now and, and confirmed deaths in the city at 12,287, at least 5,300 other deaths, uh, deaths expected, suspected of being COVID related. Um, that's just an enormous number. And and now, even as you say, Ben, that the conversation is turning to next steps, to recovery, to slowly and in some staged way getting life back to normal. These questions about public health are paramount. You know, this study that found that perhaps 25% of people in the state uh, have been exposed, have have had the virus or have the virus um, was startling. Um, there are questions emerging from other countries about whether having the antibodies from having had coronavirus does defend you against getting reinfection or whether in some people that is not sufficient defense. So all those questions are really tightly uh, tied together. And today we'll be speaking with economist James Parrott from the New School about the employment picture, which he thinks might be worse than some of the preliminary estimates from uh, city and, and, and municipal uh, outlets. And then we'll be speaking to Councilwoman Helen Rosenthal, uh, who is an expert in city contracting, obviously very familiar with the city budget, and uh, someone who is uh, speaking out on the uh, one of the fears that has been voiced during this crisis of what's going on in this era of isolation with domestic violence in the city. Yeah, I'm looking forward to both of these conversations. Uh, James Perry coming up in just a few minutes to talk uh, about a recent study that he uh, and some collaborators at the New School just put out about the economic impacts. Um, we covered it a bit at Gotham Gazette when we looked at, um, you know, what the numbers, the initial numbers of unemployment claims, um, estimates in terms of job loss, and then some of the forecasts. But again, you know, we really haven't seen anything like this. And it's, it's you know, I, I think we'll see what James says. You know, I think it's very hard for people to forecast exactly what the picture is going to look like, how many jobs exactly have been lost and will be lost. Um, we're talking, you know, hundreds of thousands into the 
into the millions. Um, we're talking about un, you know, really unknowns in terms of what the future economy of the city will look like. To go back to your point about you know this this ongoing public health crisis and some of the questions that are still out there, there is also this big fear that even as we see some of the initial wave abating, that there could be a second wave that they've seen in some countries and some places, and that you know this this system of testing and tracing that needs to be propped up um, that you know the United States has been way way behind on um, that they're just starting to really try to get going in New York you know, that that's needed and a very phased in approach. And, and, you know, there might be the need to sort of like open up some things and then pull back. And what are you doing about all sorts of sectors of the economy and schools and transit? There are huge outstanding questions. We really are still, I think, at the at the pretty close to the beginning of this crisis um, in terms of the long term uh, questions around both the public health and the economic um, realities. So, It'll be interesting to hear James talk about how you forecast some of this um, and if it looks like anything else, you know, that he's seen in his many years. Uh, and then with Councilmember Rosenthal, you know, she is, as you said, an expert on contracting and budgets before she was elected to the city council. She that was a lot of how the bulk of her career was in city government in, in the budget office. Um, and so her perspective on how the city should be budgeting during these times will be very interesting to get. And she also chairs the city council's committee on women and gender equity. And they're going to be holding an oversight hearing on Friday on the issue of domestic violence and what the city is doing to try to track it, to try to encourage victims and, and survivors to report it. Uh, and, and, you know, what the NYPD especially is doing to monitor it. So we'll get her on those two big topics. Um, and I think, um, you know, one of the key aspects of what's going on is just is protecting some of the civic fabric of New York City. There um, are some really important and interesting uh, dynamics at play in terms of the role of the city, the role of the state, the role of the federal government. Uh, folks should know, of course, that the federal government has passed multiple bills in response to this crisis um, and that city and state leaders are still pushing for another big one because nothing so far has really dealt with the massive loss of revenue that some cities and states are facing because of the economic shutdowns that they've ordered in the face of the of the pandemic outbreak. And of course, New York is, is pretty much first and foremost there or among the top couple um, when you talk about the drop in tax revenue that both the state and the city are facing. And so that's really coming up uh, is that, um, you know, there are real questions and we're going to get into that with both our guests today around what the New York City government budget will look like for the end of this current fiscal year, which goes through June and then next fiscal year. And there are billions of dollars in lost tax revenue that the city is facing uh, as Mayor de Blasio and the city council have to craft a new budget with some huge unknowns. Um, leading up to the start of the new fiscal year in July, the mayor's already identified a bunch of cuts and cost savings, but there's criticism of some of those. And there's questions around whether it's enough. And he's also tapping billions of dollars in, in reserves that the city has put aside. So really precarious positions there as everybody continues to look to the federal government to do to do more. Well, exactly. I mean, the frightening thing we've heard about in the recent weeks, Ben, is uh, to hear states talking about their unemployment funds running out. 
uh, New Jersey wondering if it was going to run out of money to pay first responders. Uh, obviously, cities and states, there is a, a strict limit to how much they can borrow, uh, to how much they can spend beyond what they have in their coffers. And, uh, you know, that's that's one of the amazing powers the federal government has is to essentially print money um, and issue it to states and cities to to fund essential services, to fund uh, vital safety net programs to keep people uh, housed and fed and alive. Uh, and that's exactly the kind of leadership the federal government needs to do. And the numbers that have been talked about so far are massive, trillions of dollars, but that doesn't mean that they have come anywhere close to meeting the kind of need uh, we are facing now. And I think one of the things James Parrott will talk about when he comes on is, you know, there are a lot of different trajectories that could play out. You know, we could have a long severe um, recession or depression as a result of this with uh, with a great deal of human suffering um, or, uh, you know, what will still be a vast amount of human suffering could be reduced relatively quickly if you can get um, money flowing and jobs created and people helped on time. Indeed. So let's bring on James Parrott right now. James Parrott is the Director of Economic and Fiscal Policies for the Center for New York City Affairs at the New School. Uh, James, thanks for joining us here. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette and Jared Murphy from City Limits. Hi, how are you guys? Doing well, thank you. Thanks okay. for being on. So, James, give us, you know, you've, you've been researching New York City's economy for a long time and, and you've done some good work on this current crisis. What is your picture of the current situation and, and how would you describe um, its, its seriousness compared with some of the other estimates we've been hearing? So I think the extent of the job loss to date, here we are toward the end of April, um, is greater, um, a lot greater than the estimates from the Independent Budget Office and the estimates that were part of the mayor's budget. So those estimates were about 500,000 jobs lost. But, you know, those were... Those were specified as average job losses over the next 9 to 12 months. The estimate that we did that was built up on a sector-by-sector basis, you know, looking at restaurants, looking at um, hotels, uh, uh, retail, construction, personal services, transportation, and so on, uh, you know, we came up with an estimate of 1.2 million jobs lost in New York City by this time. That's you know, a little bit more than one out of every four private sector jobs. So this is this is beyond uh, the worst that we saw in the Great Recession of 2008-2009, worse than after 9-11, worse than the early 1990s recession, around the time that I started working for city government for a little while. Um, and... Uh, and the magnitude of it also is greater than the hemorrhaging that the New York City economy suffered during the 1970s, hemorrhaging both in terms of population and jobs. New York City lost about 600,000 600, jobs over that decade. So, so that, you know, this makes it worse than any period since the Great Depression. So it's important to keep that in mind. Hopefully, uh, a lot of this will be temporary. But I think um, the world has changed in 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 ways that will um, 
not return us to where we were before in February of of, of, of this year. So we're going to be we're going to be uh, enduring elevated levels of job loss and dislocation for many months, if not years. So, James, let's um, come back in a few minutes to what the the sort of medium to longer term future looks like. But in terms of the short term and right now, so just to be clear, you're estimating that more than a million jobs in the city, about one out of every four has has been lost. That's correct. And can the the gist of those losses, if you can sort of capture them in some the biggest buckets, is this basically just a huge number of retail, entertainment, you know, all sorts of in-person activities, restaurants, just totally slashing their their workforces um, basically on a dime? Yeah, that's that's uh, that's that's basically what it is. You know, um, it, in the report that we did, we 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 found it useful to distinguish between three categories of jobs in the local economy. Uh, one, the essential workers, mainly healthcare, but also those workers in the food chain and public uh, service uh, workers, uh, MTA workers, and so on. Those people who whose jobs have been deemed essential. Then there's this broad category that has borne the brunt of the displacement, what I refer to in the report as face-to-face service jobs. So, so these, are the, you know, these are jobs uh, like restaurants and hotels uh, and retailing, uh, local uh, neighborhood services, uh, local transportation, so on, that require some degree of face-to-face involvement or activities like construction, that can't be done remotely. They have to be done on site uh, and, and with groups of workers. Um, so this this category of face-to-face uh, work uh, accounts for about 85% of the job losses that we estimate. The third category of workers is what we refer in the report to as remote workers. These are the you know largely professional and managerial uh, office-based jobs many of which can be done remotely. Those workers tend to be much much higher paid, uh, some extent of commuters uh, holding those jobs in New York City and so on. So, so the, the, uh, the uh, bulk of, you know, the overwhelming bulk of the job loss has been in this face-to-face service sector, you know, where there are a lot of, a lot of jobs in retailing and restaurants and so on. Um, these jobs uh, are held disproportionately by low-wage workers uh, and by workers of color with a lot of immigrants and a fair extent of undocumented workers, you know, working in restaurants and local services and so on. So it, it really has hit hardest at, at, with an immediate impact on um, the low-income communities that are also bearing the brunt of the health crisis related to COVID-19. James, one prominent feature of the city's current economy, uh, which has always had uh, an informal sector, is the number of people who are working in freelance jobs, the so-called gig economy, various versions of that. I think your estimates attempted to capture some of the job loss uh, there, not necessarily people who have traditional full-time employment, but people who uh, were working and now are not. And I'm wondering, talk about that. And also, 
you know, some people are still technically working, but they're making less money. We had a story this week about cab drivers who are still driving around getting the occasional fare, but it's just a lot, a lot less. Um, do you feel like we have a handle on what the impact on on that side of the economy and those workers has been? Yeah. So on the um, on the independent contractors, you're right that, that we tried to include those um, in our estimate. You know, the, it, this uh, involves a, a substantial number of workers in the New York City economy, uh, between 400 and 500,000. Uh, they they also tend to be heavily concentrated in certain sectors. Like, you know, if you think of Uber and Lyft and taxi drivers, they are all independent contractors. At least that's the way they're treated under current New York State law. And um, there are a lot of independent contractors also in the arts, uh, both the performing arts and, and visual arts uh, uh, sectors. Um, and a lot in movie production, which has been, uh, you know, postponed uh, for the time being as well. So um, we we did include those workers in our estimate, and about 15% of the total dislocation that we estimated uh, involved independent contractors. We tried to take account of the reduced work hours that many workers were experiencing, and and for you know workers like uh, taxi cab drivers that you mentioned who are who are still trying to work but not able to perform uh, many trips and that they only get paid if they re- if they really do trips they're not hourly paid workers certainly um, we did try and and uh, allow for that in our estimates of job losses so in a way our job loss was a full time equivalent. Um, uh, estimate so it might include um, numbers of part-time workers even greater than the than the total number that we estimated uh, of, of workers who would who would lose their jobs. And James, just a quick numbers question. Obviously, there's always a little bit of unemployment in the economy. People moving between jobs, people who have recently entered the workforce, um, and, and so you have to compare numbers year to year. But so far, the State Department of Labor says that over the past six weeks, basically the period of of the COVID emergency, about six hundred thousand um, excess applications for unemployment insurance in New York City. Uh, and I'm wondering that number obviously is is enormous. Um, it's it's less than the number um, you've cited. Do we think that people are not getting into the queue for unemployment insurance? Is that a lagging indicator? How much does the your fear and your number connect to uh, the unemployment number? And that also goes to the question of whether or not these folks are are getting the aid they deserve. Right. Right. So. I think that the, the reason uh, for the difference in the numbers uh, is, is it's due to a number of things. One is we know that there's been a tremendous backlog in people uh, seeking to apply for unemployment insurance in New York State. Um, certainly, the volume and the imme- the the the, uh, the speed with which the uh, job losses occurred swamped. Uh, state labor departments all across the country. So New York is not an exception uh, to some extent. But on the other hand, I mean, it does appear that the um, that the backlog is greater in New York State. You know, one of the ways I looked at this was 
to take the 10 largest states and look at the total uh, number of initial unemployment claims that have been filed in the last six weeks and look at that in relation to total private sector employment. Um, it's hard to imagine any any city or state that's been hit harder than New York by this, and yet several states had much greater a much greater volume of new unemployment claims relative to their private sector employment. Uh, Michigan and uh, Pennsylvania, for example, had well over 25% of their private sector employment uh, accounted for by new unemployment claims. And a handful of other states, including our neighbors in Massachusetts, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, uh, Ohio, have had larger percents of um, their workers filing new claims than New York. So, so I think New York will catch up with that. There, it, it, then there's um, the, um, the 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 difficulty in the independent contractors filing for uh, unemployment assistance. So under the the the, uh, the CARES Act passed at the federal level for the first time ever. Um, independent contractors have been made eligible for unemployment assistance. Not unemployment insurance, but this pandemic unemployment assistance program. That was only passed at the end of March. So it's only really been a couple of weeks that independent contractors have been able to file for unemployment insurance. So, And again, we did include those workers in our estimates, so we expect that some of those uh, will be filing. Um, and then, of course, uh, you know, in New York, we estimate in New York City, we estimate that nearly 200,000 undocumented workers uh, lost work. Those workers are not uh, eligible for either unemployment insurance or pandemic unemployment assistance, so they won't be filing. And and the final factor to keep in mind is that. The claims data are based upon place of residence. Um, so to the extent that some of the workers losing jobs in our estimate, and our estimate was, was based on jobs in New York City that have been dislocated. So, you know, maybe in these face-to-face service-oriented industries, the extent of commuter involvement is not as great as what it might be uh, in the finance or professional services sector. But but if it's 10%, then, you know, those are claims that are not going to show up in the New York City numbers. So, you know, you're right that the number to date, uh, I think, is around 625,000. We'll see, we'll, we'll, uh, tomorrow morning, in fact, we'll get a new, a new, uh, another week of data on that. So we'll see what that looks like. But but it, but it does seem like things are headed in the direction of the estimate that we had. We are joined right now by James Parrott uh, of the Center for New York City Affairs at the New School. James, we have just a few more minutes, and we definitely want to spend a couple of them on sort of the path ahead. Um, but I just one quick question first on um, where we've been. Were there any levers that specifically New York City government could have pulled that weren't pulled to avoid some of this job loss, do you think? Um, just looking back in the brief period that we've experienced so far, that there were any missed opportunities to try to stem some of this, or is it really all about 
a federal uh, level play? Well, so um, it, there, there are a couple of ways to think about that. I mean, one, certainly in terms of um, when the lockdown was de- was declared in, in New York State, New York City, when people were being advised to uh, stay indoors, to not go to restaurants, not, not go to to uh, uh, public places, not go to, to to work if they're not an essential worker. That that order could have come sooner in New York. I mean, it does look like it came sooner relative to the appearance of the first cases in Washington State and California. Um, to some extent, you know, we we just had a total total um, uh, failure of leadership at the Washington level um, in terms of the response. Um, after you know things started to melt down economically, uh, certainly we uh, well well there have been you know a series of you know very substantial actions uh, taken by Congress. I wouldn't call them stimulus, although that's the way they're often referred to. This is really sort of uh, uh, you know e- emergency economic assistance to. Um, to maintain earnings and to maintain businesses. We're not right. at the point of stimulating the economy to get back to where we were. It's a matter of keeping keeping the economy from contracting to an even greater extent than what it has. And the small business assistance program, I think, has been, you know, for the most part, a failure for small businesses in New York City. And I'm very concerned that we're going to see you know, permanent closings result from this. And if there had been better conceived uh, and, and better designed uh, small business assistance out of Washington, uh, implemented in a, in a way that was more effective, we, uh, we would be able to hang on uh, longer to some of those small businesses. Um, so, James, uh, we have about a minute left, and I want to ask you to break out your crystal ball. Uh, knowing what you know about the economic situation as it stands now, the relief programs in place, and what you think is the political potential to improve those programs. What's your best guess for the path ahead in terms of in a year, two years, five years from now, when we're going to be back to where we were, uh, you know, March 2020? What do you think the the most likely trajectory is going to be? So um, it, 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 it sounds like in your question that there's both a political aspect and an economic. There's a political forecast and an economic forecast in there. So I think the, the outlook economically, in terms of how you bring an economy back, given this public health crisis situation, um, we're not going to be back to quote normal or where we were, were before for some time. And in some ways, things will permanently change. So. That means that even under the best of circumstances, in New York City, we're going to see, you know, the the uh, the loss of two to four hundred thousand jobs by the end of the year. So uh, hopefully, we'll get a lot of a lot of jobs that are now, you know, not people not working, will get those back. But but restaurants are not going to come back. Um, you know, uh, Broadway is not going to come back. Movie theaters. Uh, a lot of the social activities in, in New York City are not going to return anytime soon. That's going to leave us with a with a significant hole in the economy. That's going to be so significant, I think, 
there will have to be more federal government response. And I think the Federal Reserve pretty much signaled that today when, you know, after their meeting, they said, you know, we're, the Fed understands they're going to have to do more to get the economy back on track. Well, James Parrott, economist from the New School, thank you so much for joining us, and I'm sure we'll have you back on in the future to talk us through um, that progress or lack thereof as it plays out. Okay, thank you.